Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 43, January 21st, 2023. So glad you could make it. One of the great uh, Jason Isbell songs, We Were Vampires, has the line, Maybe time running out is a gift. Work hard till the end of my shift and give you every second I can find. Keep that in mind, maybe, as we go through episode 43. The intention of the podcast this week was to work through some of my frustrations or difficulties in being a teacher. I mean, it's the... uh, first couple weeks back, new semester, all that kind of stuff. So always trying to reflect on my practice and, you know, even considering education and the system at large. But I'll be honest, I haven't really been able to get away from the idea of reaching that we mentioned last week. The, the lyric from Ruby Waves, if I could touch the stars with my fingertips, the doors would open all around me. I could escape from this prison of lies. If I could touch the stars with my fingertips, that that's the kind of reaching that I'm talking about. The kind that's depicted so immaculately in Delaney's painting of the Ruby Wave of Hope. The hand is behind and it's reaching, or it, is it in front? It it just kind of melts in the reaching and the wave, the reaching and the flow. So it turns out that these thoughts end up dovetailing quite nicely with my week's thoughts on education and teaching. Of course, in this vein of pondering, I don't pretend that there's just one system of education. I I don't pretend that I work at just one school. There are a variety of schools within the school, at least three and probably more. And today's task is not to try and identify those, but merely to stipulate that there are so many degrees and relativities involved. But with all that being said, I'll generalize some for the sake of thought and discussion. This thought project started when I began to consider the prospect of trying to convince someone that public education, specifically coming to the school, to the high school in which I teach, is is worth it. And I struggle with that, and I honestly still struggle with that. I'm not really able to come up with a definitive, decisive list of why it's better to be at school with the masses than to opt for another avenue. A strong argument I thought was that this person wouldn't get to be in my class or goods or greens, you know, teachers that will push and challenge both academically, but in ways beyond the content or in conjunction in conjunction with the content, maybe. But instructors who offer windows into new perspectives and provide safe avenues for exploring what lies beyond those windows. That's a good argument, if a bit egotistical. But what if this person already has access to those kinds of mentors? There are a handful of classes that challenge, but for the most part, I believe that education can be at least as good, if not better, when choice is available for content and pacing and without the distractions that the behemoth of public education distributes. And the social aspect of it, yeah, I I suppose, again, I'll sound elitist or that my ego is too big for my britches, but 
The social atmosphere at public schools isn't exactly what I would call edifying. Honestly, the only clear reason I can decipher is the ability to play sports. Sports and extracurricular activities are a huge component of the value of participating in public schooling, public schooling proper. With that being said, though, the, the thought pattern shifted a bit to what I think is missing or what, what I wish I could do better to offer. Like I, I think about the small collection of true students that we have, students, those who study, because it's not always going to be fun and, uh, you know, exciting. There's there's work. You have to, you know, you have to suffer through some dry textbooks and boring lectures, and that that's a part of it. And it's not that teachers shouldn't shouldn't try to be appealing or engaging and all of that kind of stuff for sure. But part of being a student of learning new things is wading through those those difficulties. Each teacher, mostly, has something valuable to offer, and if nothing else, the textbook and the supplemental materials are valuable. How do we get students to read, to value learning implicitly? I know this is an age-old challenge, but it's one worth reaching for, I figure. I'm partial to the humanities because I think that it opens minds, that it liberates, that it grants perspective, that it creates beauty. As Mr. Keating says in Dead Poets, medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. So that's my bias. But the sciences, I, I ain't mad at them. You know, there's worthy pursuits to be found in a well-rounded education. Things like grade inflation certainly play a huge role in the, the uh, deterioration of excellence. But grades in and of themselves have been a detractor as well, I would argue. Comparison's tough for us all, especially for teenagers. Especially for teenagers in a world that never sleeps. That's connected in ways and arenas that are, that are countless. I know we, we, you know, when I was a kid, we always have our issues at school and trying to wrestle with what it means to become an adult uh, 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 as we become into this level of hypothetical thinking and maturity. And But I got to go home without this, this phone. You know, I got to go home without this handheld computer that has me connected. I got to turn off, you know, and, and kids now don't get to do that. So, um, it's tough, yeah. Want to uh, read a uh, a poem from the collection "In My Head, in the Woods, and Elsewhere" by Sarah Thomas. Um, this one calls called "Even If I Must Dig So Deep, It Hurts a Little." Although I feel dried up and worn down inside, that is not the whole truth. So I shall rummage around in there until I find the energy to smile as I stir the soup with purpose. 
the motivation to go to the peaceful spot and sit quietly, palms open with intention. The love to listen to you ramble about the thing I do not understand with care. The patience to wait as lonely time passes, while some are gentle, others not, with hope. So that uh, that brings me back to reaching, and it's opposite. The thing that I've been thinking about all week, and that David and I have been texting back and forth about. Um, he sent me lots to think about. We we tried to wrestle through some different possibilities, and it it was tricky to land on what I think the opposite of of reaching is, of reaching, trying to touch the the stars. Honestly, a student of mine whispered to me after class, he's a, he's a quiet student anyway, doesn't usually speak up in class, but I brought this question up and on the way out um, of psychology class, he whispered to me that he thought that the antonym of, of what I was talking about, this type of reaching, that the antonym was attachment. And that one I'm still ruminating on because there's there's something to that. The closest that I've gotten in my own mind is that the opposite of that kind of reaching is apathy. Indifference, but, but beyond indifference. The etymology of the word apathy, though, gives me pause because it actually sometimes can mean without suffering. But I think without emotion is maybe better, without pathos. But I don't mean to set up reaching and apathy as two separate things so that I can be mad at one. I'm, I'm much more interested in, in finding the boundary between the two ideas so that I can seek to erase it, to see how they are one. I haven't gotten there yet. Good correctly pushed back a bit that apathy wasn't always negative and that just because a student isn't interested in my particular subject or methods, that, that doesn't mean they don't have passion somewhere else. No doubt that's accurate and a worthy reminder. Sydney pointed out that apathy isn't always negative because sometimes you need to turn off. Sometimes you're reaching too much and you need to kind of turn off. And again, the etymology of the word actually did start out positive in that regard. And we can see cycles all around. It's it's not always healthy to be reaching, I suppose. There are ebbs and flows. There's waking and sleeping, night and day, so on. And I've pondered how closely related apathy is to surrender. I'm a big fan of surrender. So why does apathy not sit well with me? I think my distress comes not in my ability to inspire my students. I, I've got game in that. But it's in my lack of understanding, my my lack of a vision of where to inspire them to. <laughs> How's that for a sentence? What I mean by that is, where, where am I pushing them? T- toward what am I trying to inspire them? What does this society have to offer them? What beckons inspiration? 
Ultimately, I want them to have efficacy. I want them to believe, to have belief, to believe that they can contribute, that they can transform, that they can create, that they can reach for the good, the true, and the beautiful, and once in a while they can touch the stars with their fingertips, that they can break through the false but very tangible pressures that they experience, and that they can break through the the doldrums that, that lead them to seek numbness, the constant noise and seeming senselessness that makes apathy a safe haven. I want them to believe in their voices. I want you to believe in your voice, that your voice is worthy. Your voice is revolutionary. Because though, though it may seem that we are all so small, as individuals, it's precisely that singularity that generates the amazing ripples that burgeon into waves of hope. Your singularity. There has been and will be no one that is exactly like you. And it's simultaneously true that you can rest in the sea of humanity. Each singular soul also provides some harmonious hymn of life and love. I can set sail for the new world and I can burn down the mast. I can surrender to the flow and find contentment just sitting in the boat. But in that contentment, I can also reach up for the stars and see about whether my fingertips can open new worlds of freedom for me and for us all. And if I fall out while reaching, well, you'll come along with a raft and a song and I'll be so glad you could make it. Walt Whitman, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, for who more foolish than I, and who more faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed of the poor results of all, of the plodding and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest me intertwined. The question, O me, so sad recurring, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. In the end, I realize what I want as a teacher. I saw it on Toby Ziegler's office wall last night while watching West Wing, which is unrivaled in its quality and beauty. What a show. And I've already ordered me a sticker that says it. But what it says is teach peace. I want to teach peace. The, the content is, is valuable and the thought processes are valuable. I, I believe in education. I believe in uh, the liberation that comes through the arts. I, I will argue that all day long, but in the end, 
through that, I want to teach peace. I, I said it in my last therapy session. Sometimes she asks if when my body is reacting in a certain way, if it had a voice, what would it say? And as I found myself relaxing, maybe, or at least attempting to relax, attempting to surrender, to let go, the words that came out were that I can be at peace. I can be at peace. And I'm working to believe that for myself because I'm not sure that I have been very often. But then when asked, when prompted, what vision came to mind when I said I can be at peace, the vision that came to mind was a face of my students because I want them also to have peace, to be at peace. And so no longer will I ask, what do you want to do with your life? As if this was all some game where we have to level up or complete a task to move to some proverbial new stage. I won't ask, what do you want to do? Or I won't ask, what do you want to be? Rather, I will ask, what are you passionate about? What is your passion? And then I will do all I can to help you break out of the prison of lies that leads to apathy and give you a boost to put those fingers in the heavens. Just on the off chance, there's a star waiting there to meet you. Well, this has been a Church of Six production brought to you by the Bucket of Life. Make those ripples, y'all. Believe in your ripples. Brought to you by the Wall of Belief, the Foundation Tower of Stone. Brought to you by the Magic Rock and by the Token of Hope. Nothing divine is desperate. Don't forget to believe, y'all, and be live. Be at peace, my friends.